Welcome to Writing It, a podcast by Ed Adams. And this is The Triangle, part three. Dirty Money, Here's How to Clean It, a novel by Ed Adams. The interview. A noisy kitchen scene with capital radio burbling, coffee machine fizzing and an occasional bang from some bacon fried on too high a heat. Beasy with a cooking spatula in one hand was already on the telephone. Thanks, mate. I owe you for this one. Because he'd been on the phone to James, a friend and fellow computer geek who had a well-paid job in a city bank. Because he had just persuaded James to take a day off from work and to make the journey to Andover to look at whatever it was that was broken. James would need to say that he was from Bigsy's outfit and was more than happy to help Bigsy. A month earlier, Bigsy had helped James out on a personal matter that called for a man with some bulk following a problem with a motor car purchased by James. That very vehicle could now be used by James to help dig Bigsy out of an inconvenient appointment. The previous night, when they had returned to Bigsy's, Jake had relayed the story of Lucien to Bigsy and Claire over a couple of bottles of wine. Bigsy and Claire had decided to help out in what seemed to be a scary and somewhat complicated situation. Jake and Claire had both decided it was easiest to simply stay at Bigsy's overnight, especially after two bottles of red wine on top of the earlier evening's consumption. The hissing and popping sound from the bacon and scrambled eggs reminded Bigsy of the breakfast, which he was assembling in the kitchen. If we're going to be wandering around all day, we'll need something inside, as he mused to no one in particular. Claire had scrunched her hair and was still wearing the same clothes, which she somehow had made look different for what was a continuation of the previous day. Bigsy, by comparison, appeared to be demonstrating the art of deterioration, with new grease spatters from the cooking on what was once a white t-shirt emblazoned with eyeburn and a picture of a smoking computer. Let's get Jake. We need to get started, he commented to Claire. Jake, he shouted. Come on, it's going to be a busy one. He flipped the first portion of the intriguing-looking breakfast onto a plate and handed it to Claire. Claire slightly wrinkled her nose, but remembered from her previous stint staying at Biggs's that whatever it looked like, it usually tasted pretty good. Jake's story from last night set anticipation with both Claire and Bigsy. Claire always thought Lucien had lived on a different planet from Jake and the rest of Jake's clan, but a time like this would hold these thoughts private. The part Jake told them the previous evening meant they would expect today to be pretty eventful. The door clicked open and Jake walked into the kitchen. Wet hair from a shower, a new oversized t-shirt emblazoned with Susie from Biggs's wardrobe and dark rings under his eyes, which indicated he'd not slept much. Sorry about the shirt, but it will look great under your jacket, said Biggsy. Here's some Maison Biggsy breakfast. Now let's go over your story again. Jake scraped a wooden chair and sat, beginning to explain the last few days and the part that Lucien had inadvertently played. He began... I was supposed to report on the art show for the magazine, but passed them to Lucian when we were out at the Builder's Arms a few days ago. Lucian had been to that graffiti show with me and seemed to enjoy it, so I thought this could be a win-win. Jake took a piece of bacon from the plate by two fingers and placed it between a slice of unbuttered bread. Then he flipped the lid on some brown sauce and dribbled a small amount over the improvised sandwich. I figured that if Lucien could get me a catalogue and maybe describe a few of the things he spotted in the visit over a quick beer, then I could write the review blind. That way I could scoot over to the Dorchester, get ten minutes with the artist, and bing. Biggs was eyeing the remnants of Jake's plate after the sandwich-making operation. Ever so delicately, he slid the plate to one side as if clearing it away. I don't think I'd told anyone else about what I'd done, continued Jake. 
It was supposed to give Lucien a preview of the show and me a chance to get the story without quite as much running around. So whatever happened to Lucien could have been aimed at you, questioned Claire. Jake had hinted at this last night, but Claire had been slow to accept this somewhat paranoid theory. It all seemed too implausible, except that Lucien was dead, but that also seemed unbelievable. Nice egg, is it? questioned Jake to Bigsy, who was just finishing the remnants of Jake's plate. Mmm, said Bigsy, but I thought with murders and mysteries there was supposed to be a motive. You're not exactly Mr Big League Gangster, he smiled towards Jake. Jake had stayed awake pretty much all of the previous night. He'd been a journalist long enough to know that a good article needed an angle, a motivation. When he interviewed someone and it didn't stack up, he acquired a good sense that something was missing. He called it evidence, which was not supposed to sound like a criminal investigation, but had some of the same techniques. Jake continued, I've been thinking about Lucien and the killing a lot. I really do think it must be something to do with me. I promise you both I'm not involved with anything truly dodgy, and I'd tell you both if there was something bad that I'd done, especially when it's something like this. Big and Claire both nodded. They knew Jake well and could read him if he lied, like the time he borrowed Claire's leather jacket and then somehow lost it in a club. Jake was professional for his work, but transparent to Bigsy and Claire. So here's my partial theory, said Jake, as he sipped the freshly brewed coffee. I've been working on a lifestyle piece called Fast Boys, about 20-somethings who drive exotic fast supercars. The interviewees were mainly pop stars, footballers and the occasional mobile phone salesman with his own business. I'd interviewed several Ferrari and Lamborghini owners and then got to see a guy named Darren Collins, who owned a particularly expensive McLaren supercar, which was apparently only one of several in the world. It's amazing how many of these guys there are in central London alone. See how some of the underground car parks are crammed full of Porsches, Astons and these supercars. I had to go to an office in South London, just over Tower Bridge. You know the area before you get to Southwark and Borough Market. It's all recently renovated, with old warehouses made good. Bermondsey, I think you'd call it. Bigsy and Claire nodded. They'd both been to parties in the area. The neighbourhood was well healed and had fashion house headquarters in the nearby streets. Typical American film about London town territory, but only a few streets away from the rough scenes in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. It sounds like a fast walk area, interrupted Bigsy. More or less, continued Jake. At least a be careful at night zone. Anyway, I've been waiting in the office for Darren, who was late for our meeting. I was sitting in a ground floor meeting room with a glass wall and slatted blinds. They had good coffee and I'd already finished the first cup when waiting for Darren. I was about to grab another cup when there was a noise outside the room, several people, softly spoken English but with a foreign accent. The accent sounded Middle Eastern. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to begin with, just waiting for a chance to refill my coffee without disturbing anyone. But then, call it my journalistic instincts rather than Nosy Parker, I decided to see what was happening, just in case it would add some depth to the interview. Jake explained he had left the door of the meeting room open so he could get a warning of Darren Collins' approach and this had helped him hear what was happening. The conversation was something to do with international trade and payments. I switched on my little old-school Olympus recorder when I started to pay attention to the conversation. The talking actually went on for quite a long time, maybe 15 minutes. It had started softly, but got louder and louder, and then suddenly stopped. I decided to grab another coffee to give me a glimpse of what was happening. Jake looked at Claire and Bigsy, who were taking in the whole of his story. As I walked from the meeting room, I startled the people who had been talking and were now getting ready to leave. 
To be honest, they startled me too, because I thought they were sitting in an adjacent room. There were five men in total, three Arabic-looking people in dark suits, a very tall guy with cropped hair, dark tan, and what seemed to be a dark green suit, and a fifth person who turned out to be Darren Collins. We were together in the entrance area to the office suite. Their group carried on making its way towards the door, and I made a beeline for the coffee. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw the tall person with the unusual suit peel off from the group and come towards me. Mr Collins will be with you in a few minutes, the green suit said, and it was with a strong Southern American accent. We've just finished. Do you mind if I have one of your business cards, he asked. I know that Mr Collins would want to recommend you to my colleagues, he continued. Jake had been surprised by this. He'd never met this group before and had no idea why Darren Collins would have recommended him to anyone. But hey, maybe there was some freelance business available. He swapped cards with the American. Jake continued the story to Claire and Bigsy. A few moments later, Darren returned and we returned to the meeting room where I'd been sitting to start the lifestyle interview. Darren appeared smartly dressed, suit, no tie, crisp white shirt, sort of expensive city trader look with some discreet bling, if you know what I mean. I'd normally have a picture, but no photographer for this trip, because as the article was about the car, the photo shoot was handled separately. Jake looked briefly at Claire and Bigsy. Claire had finished the breakfast provided by Bigsy and was now scribbling a few notes based upon what Jake was saying. It appeared to be on the inside of a cereal packet. Jake continued, Collins seemed preoccupied during the interview, which was also quite obvious. He didn't seem to be very interested in talking about the car, which is unusual. Normally, someone with a super special fast car wants to flaunt it to show how great they think they are. Although Collins didn't seem to care about most of the interview, there was just one area where he emphasised what he was saying. Jake explained that he thought maybe Darren Collins was trying to project a version of cool, but it seemed the previous meeting had rattled him. I'll come back to the moment in the interview, but the next part is why I think everything may be linked. A week or so after the interview, well before the story was due, my editor called me. He told me that Darren Collins had been killed in a road accident. The section of the story covering Darren Collins was being replaced with a 20-something golfer with a Dodge Viper. Street wouldn't write about fast boys if one of them had just died. There wasn't going to be an alternative story about Collins, so in street terms, the interview was no longer relevant. Claire commented, This does all seem to link together with what's happened to Lucien. How come you didn't think of this earlier? Jake replied, There's always something happening when involved in this type of journalism. The nature of celebrity and wannabe means people are getting arrested for airline tantrums, too much booze and pills and the occasional car crash or similar. It's like the wallpaper of the B-listers. So Collins' tragic accident was more of an inconvenience in the news-gathering world. It affected my quota more than anything else. I'll admit it knocked me back when I first heard, but I hardly warned the guy, and he seemed to be off in his own world anyway. Clara Bigsy nodded as Jake continued. I suppose if I paid more attention, then I might have connected the dots. I sort of regarded this as a dead story, and to be honest, I was also in some trouble with from that trip I made to Liverpool. Bigsy laughed. That trip. I'm not surprised. I think we all thought you'd get the boot after that example of expense account creativity. Jacob found several clubs and expensive hotels on his otherwise wasted visit. He decided to take wasted in an altogether different direction. So when I got back to London, I was told by the office that someone had made several calls to the main switchboard and visited a couple of times looking for me. The description was of a tall American with short hair and a suntan who looked vaguely military. 
It could only be the guy I'd met at Darren Collins' office, although the business card left with the office was for a different company. Eventually I checked the names, and in both cases it was Chuck Manners. Claire stifled a laugh. No, that's not a real name. It can't be Chuck Manners. He looked as if he could chuck me across the room, replied Jake. Biggs was fussing around with the remaining bacon, which had somehow congealed in the frying pan. He looked over and said, So if we had it all together, there is a story. The meeting with Darren Collins, the overheard conversation, the strange behaviour of Chuck the green-suited American, the death of Collins and the visits of the American to your office, plus the different business cards and now the murder of Lucian, who is standing in for you at the art show. These things can't all be a coincidence. I agree, said Claire. I was also thinking about this last night. To begin with, I just thought you were in shock about Lucian and some of your journalistic imagination was coming through in the way you looked at the situation. But now I've had a chance to take it in. I think you may have a point. Claire scraped the kitchen chair across the floor and sat closer to Jake. Look, I've listed some of the points. She scanned the list she'd made on the cereal box. The list comprised Visit Collins Overhear Arabs Get American Business Card Meet Collins Collins dies in a car crash American shows up at Jake's office Lucian takes your tickets to the art show. Lucian murdered. Claire had now retrieved some paper from a drawer in Biggs's kitchen. She knew her way around the flat from the time she'd spent crashed there when Jake and Biggs here had helped her out earlier in the year. OK, Jake, you'll need to take this to the police. But you still haven't told us about the thing that Collins emphasised during the interview. What can you remember? Jake went on to explain. When I went to interview Collins... I also noticed the general look of the office. It was modern, clean-lined, stylish and minimalist. A designer had created it with taste and budget limits didn't seem to have been any concern. Trust me, I know cutting-edge cool and Darren's office was a pretty good approximation. But the other thing that struck me was the complete lack of industriousness in what seemed to be a high-worth empire. For Darren to be turning the kind of money he appeared to be, there had to be some kind of activity to support it. I visit plenty of offices for interviews and client shoots, and this was by far the most impressive looking, but the least busy. Something looked wrong, and the phrase shell company was flickering through my mind while I sipped the coffee. Also, as the conversation with the Middle Eastern gentleman became noisier, I'd heard them talk about some kind of problem with the way Collins had been operating the clearances. The quietly spoken Arab gentleman was politely advising him that the contract would close if he was unable to regain sufficient control. The American had emphasised this point as the group were about to break up. This was about the time when I pretended to wander out to get the coffee refill. At the time, Jake had regarded the argument as the hustle-bustle of busy commerce. Still, he also thought, maybe politically incorrectly, that there might be some carpet bazaar bargaining going on as well. And guys, continued Jake, there is another reason I think this may be more complicated and that I may be in some danger. Mm -hmm. 